we'll just put your uh, put some socks on your dog. Hey, everybody. This is Sean Harwell back once again. Mini episode of the Never Heard of It podcast. Joined, as always, by the chameleon himself. Craig Moorhead. You can find us online in all of our episodes. You can actually find it at NeverHeardPodcast.com if you want to give those a listen. Or on iTunes, for that matter. You could Twitter us, at NeverPodcast. You can Instagram us. What's our Instagram again, Sean? I believe it is N-H-O-I-T Podcast. Mm-hmm. Just, See? just simple. look up. Never heard we of like it. like to keep just it. Just look it up. We're there. Real simple. Uh, you can probably even hashtag never heard of it because I, I use that pretty frequently when we post those things. So yeah, you, you you're heavy on the hashtags. I think that's that's helped us a well, lot. Let me just drop some little observational questions Please. upon you. I was in the airport recently and saw a gentleman wearing a shirt that the sleeve. I didn't see what was on the front of the shirt. The sleeve, Craig, uh, had the uh, it had a hashtag, then it had the word hashtags, and then it had another <laughs> hashtag. Does that make any kind of sense to you? Uh, I think that gentleman is through the looking glass. <laughs> I think he is he is post hashtag post technology. Yeah. I didn't see what plane he uh, got on. I mean, he may have just gone straight to Mars. Uh, it's possible he's on his way. Um, but wow, it's <laughs> kind of amazing. Good for him. He's he's the next evolution, everybody. Yeah. I, I wanted to also point out, mm. I have submitted our podcast to be accepted on Spotify. Because they do have a podcast section if you're a Spotify user. I didn't realize that until recently, but there it is. It's actually quite easy to listen to podcasts uh, right there in the old in the old app if you're on Spotify all day long, like I kind of am. But they're they're selective supposedly, so I don't know if we're going to pass the muster. We'll see. And if we don't, Ooh. I will be spamming them. Well, you know what, Sean? When when it's you, I would always pass the mustard. Hashtag uh, hashtags. Hashtag, hashtags, mustard, hashtag, hashtags. We had to go back and kick the tires a little bit on Dunkirk because we wanted to just do a sort of like quick, fun spoiler discussion because I did see the movie finally. Saw it in 70 millimeter, Craig. Boom. At the, uh, happened to be in Los Angeles just for a few short days and caught a screening in the dome in the Cinerama. And actually, I think that's a good place to start because I had this conversation afterwards and I'm here to tell you, Craig, Mm -hmm. it looked amazing. Mm -hmm. I, I do not know if I could point out a 70 millimeter print just out of a batch you know if i'm if i wasn't watching a screen that had a divider down the middle with 70 millimeter 35 digital maybe i could tell 35 in digital maybe i could tell 70 in in digital but i came out of it wondering that question can can my eyes tell the difference i don't know that they can this was not an imax screen it was just a 70 millimeter film presentation there were hairs in the gate and that was nice to see even though you know i was like um do you think your eyes are that well trained? Have you experienced 70 millimeter enough to feel like you could pick out the difference? I don't think there's any way that I could. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, going in and knowing that something is 70 millimeter. No. I mean, uh, th- there's no way I think I, I would just be able to tell at all. No. Part of my excitement to see it again, I am kind of curious to maybe check out a digital presentation and see yeah. if, if I pick up any differences there. 
I will say this, Craig. We've talked about this before. We talked about your awesome night at a official screening where Christopher Nolan was there. If you haven't listened to that mini episode, you're going to want to go check that out. My, we didn't do spoilers in that episode. Yeah. Definitely going to do spoilers in this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did not have the sound problem that you had. I found that I had trouble understanding the dialogue at time, and that may be more of the dialect, but the two other people I was with also said the same thing. Yeah, I've heard that a lot. Yeah, Again, amazing, amazing theater, the arc light there, uh, but did not feel like the sound effects or the sound design was overbearing in my experience. It had the opposite, couldn't quite understand the dialogue at times. Yeah. So maybe you... <laughs> Maybe that's why Christopher Nolan does like, you know, the Bane thing and <laughs> always has Tom Hardy with something in front of his face is because he just listens to it so loud that he can make out what Tom Hardy is saying. It's just that everything else sounds like the speaker is about to collapse in and on itself yeah. and just um, implode. Well, I'll say I had the exact same problem for as okay. loud as that was. There was a there were there's a lot of dialogue that was buried under all the carnage and yeah me nor the couple other people that we kind of stood around and talked with afterwards like yeah there was a lot of stuff that was lost now granted i think that's you know a a small issue perhaps because this is like you said it's there's a lot of moments that have nothing to do with dialogue oh yeah and i think that's pretty cool so here is my big takeaway from this movie and i i think i should thank you for de-hyping me a little bit because I came away actually really liking this movie, and I, and here's why, Craig, and I think this is like the thing for me with it. What I take away from this movie is the tone of it more than the plot, the characters, the performances, or even like the look or any of that stuff. Like I do have like there's obviously like some great visuals that stick in my head, you know, notably the the soldier running down the streets in the opening and like trying to get behind that line. One of those shots on the sand where you're seeing the beach explode in the, in the like shallow focus background and it's moving towards, you know, our foreground soldier. I mean, there's a thousand great shots in this thing, but what I really took away and like, I think, you know, we talked about this was like, okay, we're on the spectrum of war films. Does, does this fall? And like, how you, how do you find a place to sort of stand out after so many films within that genre and some very good recent ones too. And to me, I think that's where it succeeded. Like it did, it, it just felt like this, weird unique at times confusing experience Mm -hmm. and that's like what i really liked about it i think like you i may be wrong questioned things about the historical part of it about why they're why in fact they are on this beach and why you know how bad is it for them to consider moving four hundred thousand men the opposite direction that they would be willing to sit out here like ducks and get picked off but i do think as you made me aware, lots of this film's audience, at least in the UK and, and elsewhere, already know all of that story. Yeah. And so I think that helped me, honestly. Um, and I appreciated that because those, those sort of things, they didn't bother me enough to not enjoy this experience. And I'm, I'm really like, it's one of the few movies I've seen recently that I'm really totally excited to watch again. Yeah. Even though I, I have to say, like, yeah, it didn't grab me emotionally. Mm-hmm. I don't feel like it's a movie I'm going to be thinking about six months from now necessarily. 
but there's just something about that experience that just worked for me and makes me excited to think about just sitting at home and putting that movie on for 30 minutes at a time and like even like in the background i just feel like that's kind of like a cool movie that you can kind of come in in and out of and like just marvel at sort of the filmmaking and, and stuff that's going on there i agree I feel like maybe for you, like the criticisms have grown since watching it, and partly because of all those reviews that we've talked about. And I haven't read any of them. I need to go kind of do that and see. I know Leonard Malton actually, Craig, mm-hmm. said he was going against the tide and did not think it was an instant classic and, you know, it's this Kubrick-worthy thing. Yeah. So I think there are some voices out there that have said that. How's it, how's it feeling for you? Uh, maybe like a, a here we are a week removed from having seen it. I don't know. I mean, I I feel very much the same way I did walking out because it's it's a really impressive movie. I love the movie experience. I like being able to watch a movie that's I don't know that's a movie. Like you feel like you yeah. you know, and it's definitely that no matter what. Like I I feel like a lot of its parts don't feel astounding. There's I don't really feel like there's that one shot that's just like oh my god. Uh, but at the same time, it's so well put together. Mm-hmm. I don't know. There, there, there's so much to look at. There's so much to learn from it. I feel like, like that's and and I feel that that's kind of my thing. Is like I'm not super excited to watch it again, so I can relive the first time I watched it. Like I'm excited yeah. to watch it again because I kind of want to puzzle stuff out. I, I, I want to be able to watch it knowing that all these time periods are going to be all over the place because I know that that. That definitely took me out of it in a lot of places, and so I'm I'm hoping the next time I watch it, it'll I'll be able to stay in, not having to worry about that, and kind of check it out. Yeah, let's talk about that for a second, because you know we've been involved in a discussion uh, in a different form elsewhere, and like that structure has come up a couple times. Yeah. I watched a video where uh, Nolan was being interviewed, and he talked about like one of his main goals with this movie period was not to cut away to generals talking about strategy and pointing at maps. Like he did not want that one shot where somebody points at a map and then over here and over, you know, there are enemies over there and uh, he succeeded in that. But boy, it it is an interesting decision to go that route Mm -hmm. and kind of my takeaway from it. And and I, I think a lot of that came from hearing him talk about it. It is sort of that I'm putting you in this experience and because people are well aware of the actual events of Dunkirk and the secession of events, the retreat, the dogfights, the bombs, the call to civilian boats and the rescue, like they're familiar with that chain of events. I wanted to put you in a situation where you're with soldiers in the three different elements and have all of those bits of information trickle down to you so that the people who know it by heart aren't bored, but the people who don't know it will still get enough to make sense of it. Yeah. I think, and clearly I'm, I'm adding my own spin on that a little bit too, but th- I, I think that's kind of what he said. I don't remember who the, I think the interview was with uh, Peter Travers. I'll, I'll see if I can find it and post it. Cause it was, it was informative in that regard. Right. I honestly can't remember what those title cards said exactly. It does feel like he was establishing land sea and air yeah but boy i I was confused by the time frame of it yeah for sure because you're jumping from night to day at times there's no way around that kind of not throwing you out of the loop and yet i do wonder do you feel like that movie works better as a straight timeline narrative well that's what i was trying to figure out is is you know first i was trying to think like how would that movie play chronologically 
So, mm-hmm. you know, w- w- would it be that you start off the movie and probably the first 40 minutes is all the dog fighting and then that's over and then the rest of it is just guys on a beach trying to get onto ships? I think so, but also some of the Mark Ryland stuff took place during daylight. Well, it took place during the dog fight. So, yeah, and and for me, like, I didn't even realize what was happening with the time until we saw mm-hmm. Killian Murphy on the boat with the guys in the... Um, life jackets like trying to get on his boat and he's like and they're like hanging on to his boat and he yeah. seems to be in charge and i mean that i feel like i was probably the last guy in the theater to figure that out because <laughs> you'd already been going to night and then back to day but for some yeah. reason in my head like it, oh, i definitely remember thinking before i put all that together i was like how far away is dunkirk like because you'd cut back to rylance on the boat and it'd be during the daytime i'm like how long yeah. is it going to take them to get there? Like that doesn't seem <laughs> yeah. possible. It's a four-week uh, trip across the channel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, um, yeah. So, so I, I guess th- that was the real thing. Is like somebody said it to me. They were like, th- they thought you know he found the only way you could tell that story. And I was like, yeah, but how would how would like if you just got like a studio hack and they were like, hey, everybody wants to see the story of Dunkirk, so you go make it. You know, what, what is that? Like, how would that play out? And, and, and maybe mm-hmm. it's true. Like, maybe you have to have that dogfight play out through the entire thing. I don't know. But, I mean, I find that whole thing so fascinating. I, I like the fact that yeah. Nolan makes these puzzle movies. I like puzzle movies, even if they don't, like, I, I, I never swell up with emotion. But it's, it's so fascinating to watch. Yeah, he is intensely interested in in structure uh, it, it feels like yeah. he said i believe that the script was about 75 pages long sure so um I, I, obviously I like so. that's what he's putting his focus on is those you know descriptive paragraphs and, and lining that all up i finally actually sat down and started watching following his very first film oh, that yeah. he made on like super 16 and boy that's really good and it's definitely got some non-linear stuff in it um, yeah. that's on netflix if you haven't checked that out but um uh, another big thing that I think has been a topic is the issue of the enemy in this movie mm-hmm. um, and how, you know, they're, I think, A, I didn't realize, like, not even mentioned for the most part, at least by the not by the name Nazi, yeah. rarely seen in anything other than the form of, you know, a plane or a bullet hole. Yeah, or a silhouette, <laughs> like, right at a the end. But yeah, you never you get see the one a face, silhouette. there's not a, right. like, here's our bad guy. I do have an answer or an interpretation on that. Yeah. I will say it didn't bother me at all. No. I've seen a lot of Nazis in my movie going days, yeah. you know, and I think those are those are hard characters to kind of portray in a way that's that's still interesting, you know, they sort of have to have screen time to make them uh, have any sort of layer other than just godless killing machines. Right. My thought is that we don't see them in this movie because there's not a great moment in the film I can think of where the soldiers would have seen them themselves. Yeah, you know, absolutely. They're not seeing into the cockpits of those planes at that distance. They're not seeing the soldiers on the other side of the hill at that distance. So that that's the only sort of thing that I can kind of make heads or tails of why there was such a strict decision to not show them. Yeah, well, and I think partially too, you know, they're 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 not. Uh, I mean, obviously they were Nazis, but but they're not really in this in this movie. It's not about whether or not they're Nazis. It's it's really just. It's it's really just life or death. Like it's not. Yeah. There's not a thing where somebody says we're gonna get those krauts. Let's go, everybody. You know, like there's nothing like that. They're just trying to get off a beach. They just want to go and live their lives. 
And, mm-hmm. and it's just simple life and death, which is another thing that I really liked about it and kind of goes hand in hand with what I feel like fell short for me is I didn't, I didn't really always feel, I guess, terribly worried or tense about that. Like, whereas well, I feel like I should have just been on pins and needles for the entire thing. There were definitely times when I was, but there were other times where I was just like, I don't know. Nobody really seems that worried right now. I, I guess <laughs> like I'd be terrified yeah. the entire time. Like, I, I just feel like I'm a sitting duck. So yeah. you know, when are more Gosh. planes going to show up? I, you know, um, I was going to say, I think there are ebbs and flows to that for sure. Yeah. You know, there are times where it feels the intensity is in an early part of the movie that's not in the later part. And maybe again, like that's part of that structure and part of what makes that structure a little confusing is because of the rise and fall of intensity. I'd have to go back and like rewatch it to really pinpoint, you know, if those moments are correlating to because it's earlier in the day and, and earlier in the attacks or not. Yeah. But I, I want to ask you this, and it's on this on that note. In that same interview, he said, I think he kind of actually buckled at the dimension that this was a war film. And he said he actually didn't think of it as a war film. He thought it was as a survival film. Yeah. Ties back to that story that you, you know, he told in the screening you saw about being stuck out there on a sailboat um, near Dunkirk for 19 hours in terrible conditions yeah. and, and horrible waves and thinking about, you know, what was it really like trying to survive that situation and having bombs dropped on you? Yeah. Is that a cop out? I mean, to say it's a survival, like aren't all you know, war movies in some ways survival films? Or is it just because you're kind of removing the politics of it? I don't like, I don't know. I, I thought maybe that's a little prickly to kind of have that like i I don't feel like that's a cop-out because i do feel like most like most war movies especially ww2 movies are like saving private ryan it's very Mm rah-rah american spirit we're gonna kill those nazis those nazis are so terrible and and like that's what it's about it's like we're the heroes they're the villains and here we go i think it's really interesting to strip everything down to you're at war with these guys and yeah you might hate nazis but more than that you don't want to get a bullet in your face like it's just trying to live, you know, and 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 partially like there's there's that I really love uh, the end of this where they're going through these lines and like being past blankets by this guy who I, I think was blind, yeah. Uh, and and the one guy says, you know, we, we didn't win, like we just all we did was survive, and he said, well, survival is enough, yeah. And that's I mean, yeah, I I, I like that. I, I like the fact it was it was really stripped down to that because yeah, it's, that's what so many movies are about, really. Yeah. And so, yeah, making the Dunkirk thing really just about being alive and, and how that's sur- surviving it all is a is a victory, uh, even just in general. Yeah. And I, I do think, like, again, like the fact that that is stated so bluntly yeah. is nice. But the fact that it happens in what that's like the last six, seven minutes of the movie. Yeah. I think that, again, is like going to inform repeat viewings. Because mm-hmm. I can see people sitting around wondering, what exactly is the take? Like, what am I supposed to be feeling here? And like, what is the message? Yeah. And it is a. It's interesting that that kind of comes out through that Harry Styles character. And I agree, man. I thought he was great. Like, I think he did a yeah. really solid job here. But I think that's it. I mean, like, yeah, it is. It is finding uh, reward in in retreat. You know, yeah. or finding some sort of dignity in that. And. I I was not aware that that was what I was supposed to be thinking oh, not until all. that moment. Yeah. So I do think like, yeah, again, like, okay, like what's that second view and going to look like when you've got that in the forefront of your mind, you know, that that's what this movie is building to. Right. I, I just, I wonder if it's going to feel a little differently or maybe, I don't know, it could be less effective because of that. Cause then maybe you are asking like, okay, well, if I'm, 
supposed to be thinking about this as the intensity of survival, maybe that structure is kind of neutering some of that intensity when we're pulling back and, and seeing things happen from, you know, an earlier part of the, of a scene we've already seen, you know, or just from a different angle. Yeah. And let me ask this, cause I, I think this was a big part of it. You know, I, I think most of us go into a movie with expectations uh, of some kind, whether we were really thinking about them or not. And, and I realized like my expectation was that the end of this movie was probably going to be something where these soldiers are just on the edge of death. Doom mm-hmm. is coming. The Nazis are have pushed through the the you know whatever the lines and they're, yeah, like they're going to roll out onto this beach with tanks and it's it's going to be over. But then out of the fog come all these little boats and like they just get out of the nick of time and like it's going to be a real it's it's going to be a close call. But man, they got out of there. And so, I mean, did you have any expectations like that where it was going to be the fact that these people came was going to be such an emotional crescendo? I don't know, almost a showdown between just regular folks and those evil Nazis. No, I didn't think about it that far ahead when I'm watching it. And I did not. I watched like one trailer for this movie, like the very first teaser. And that was it. So I didn't even like even that message that you were talking about this on the poster, like home came to them or whatever. I didn't I didn't know that. You know, until you told me. Right. And so I don't know. I mean, I kind of and I I remember you saying like, this is not saving private Ryan. It's not you didn't feel like he was trying to milk out the sentimentality of that moment and the emotion of it. To me, it it still like it again, like that felt like consistency of tone to me. Like that was the movie he was making. And like there was something about it. You know, I, I felt emotional when they're there and like Brana recognizes them and you know they get the the soldiers salute and all these little boats pop up you know I got that for a little bit and I think the score kind of swells in that moment and changes and it feels like a movie moment but again like it wasn't that wasn't the thing for me and I don't know I didn't feel like it was lacking anything more than that and like as far as like thinking about a showdown of the Nazis coming onto the beach right at the last moment uh, yeah, I just, I just didn't even think about it, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> like it didn't occur to me that that could have happened, you know? And yeah, I, I, I'm dying to know more just about the actual history of it. Like why didn't the Nazis push forward? And even if there's a group of soldiers that knew, you know, they're taking target practice at the, um, at the one boat that had been grounded, you know? Yeah. That, that's another one that, and I realize I'm not probably supposed to know what was going on outside that boat, but it, it, bring, it brought yeah. up so many questions for me. I was just like, where are they? There are soldiers on the beach now. Nazi soldiers. I don't know. Yeah, I was still confused. I mean, like, and even the fact that the uh, the Dutch soldier, soldier, I believe, like, ended up on the, or was he? I don't even know if he was a soldier. If he was like, a, like the boat captain or something. Like, I was still yeah. like a little, no. uh, a little hazy on that. But uh, as far as an intense scene, like everything in there, like, was was pretty awesome on sure. that level. I thought. So yeah, I, I mean, I feel like it's it's one of those movies that you know, for those of us that don't know the history of it all, it's it's certainly it leaves us wanting to know more. I I definitely want to know more about what that actual you know circumstances of that were specifically, like yeah, on the interior, you know, yeah, and like what what happened to France and and everything there. So yeah, maybe there's a hardcore history episode about that. <laughs> we can just <laughs> that would be just good. listen to and That'd knock it out. Uh, well, yeah. And what about the other thing I'm wondering is. The the bit at the end with Kenneth Branagh where there everyone else is pulling away and he says I'm gonna wait for the French soldiers, and mm-hmm. there's a part of me that was like well because Nolan said he didn't base any of it on real, well he he did base it on real people but none of the people in it were real people like gotcha. none of them were actual people, 
And so there's a part of me that was like, I'm, did somebody really do that? Did he really say we're waiting for the French? Because my understanding was like they were like, we're getting out. Good luck, French guys. Like it was just a mess. Like the whole thing was such yeah. a mess. So there's a little bit of like that felt a little bit weirdly sentimental at that point. It, that also to me, like it feels like like that's such like a, a British thing, you know, like even sure. like thinking about like Lawrence of Arabia or something like that or uh, like Life and Death of Colonel Blimp. I don't know if you've seen that, but like <laughs> there's just there's always that that British general that's going to, you know, he's going to stay till the last boy comes home. Yeah. Yeah. I would be curious to know if that's the actual self-sacrifice made or, or even what would have happened to a dude that stayed behind. Yeah, because the danger wasn't over. But I guess it was lessened, but it wasn't. I mean, they had no way of knowing. Yeah. I don't know. Interesting. Well, and there is a uh, there's a movie in the 60s uh, that is a French movie called Weekend at Dunkirk that I think is, is from the French perspective. So that'd be interesting to maybe do a double feature with those two to see what the hell that looks like. What is it? It's Weekend at Bernie's? It's Weekend at Bernie's, yep. I'm really confused right now then. I'm really confused because... Weekend at Burnkirk's. Well, there's bodies in both of them, so... <laughs> yeah. yeah, hey. Uh, Craig, yeah. Uh, any any favorite thing from Dunkirk, be it moment, yeah. I'll shot, tell you what, performance, actor, whatever anything? My, my favorite thing about it, there's a first of all, there's a lot of good stuff. I, I've been grousing about stuff, but no, yeah, I mean, I, mean yeah. I, I certainly don't want to make it sound like I think it's a piece of dreck, but um, no, you're but, on record now. Two episodes, you're good. Yeah, he won't come after you. Yeah, <laughs> for whatever reason, I really liked how uh, they set up how difficult it was flying those planes and mm-hmm. trying to shoot another plane. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, and, and, I, 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 and I made a quip earlier. I can't remember if I said it to you or if I wrote it down somewhere, but it was like, I remember Top Gun being kind of my mm-hmm. first uh, exposure to like people trying to shoot each other from planes. And like that one seemed kind of easy. Like you, you'd miss on the first one, but then you'd get them on the second one. Yeah. Like I got a real sense of just how difficult it is to just turn the plane. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Just like, I need to go left. Oh God, this is not going to be easy. It's going to take know, forever. Yeah. And yeah, like we're all in planes it. going pretty fast. And then when I got to try and line this up to shoot a guy, like it's just impossible. So yeah. So I, I, like that, that gave me some of my best, some of the best uh, suspense like that and the fact that his gas tank starts losing gas. Like, I, I loved all that yeah. stuff on the planes. Yeah, it was done so well. And also, you know, if you've seen The Aviator, mm-hmm. you know all the difficulties that Howard Hughes ran into just getting dogfights filmed and, like, looking oh, yeah. for clouds. and get, I mean, like, here it was amazing. And, like, I, it seems like they used actual planes that had a double cockpit that they made look like the Spitfires. Uh, yeah, I don't, gets... yeah, I don't think at all much of that was CGI. Like, I mean, that, that was one yeah. of the things, yeah, early on, where I, where I was expecting everything around Thomas Hardy to be CGI, but then you mm-hmm. see the pins on the outside of his cockpit, like, rattling. Yeah. And I was like, I don't, I don't think that's fake. They yeah. got a freaking IMAX camera in there with them, which is yeah. crazy. <laughs> yeah. Although I will say, those IMAX cameras, they, they had an IMAX camera at the Air and Space Museum yeah. Like one of the ones they used to shoot it. And I was like, boy, those cameras have actually gotten a lot smaller. They're not small. Sure. But I remember they used to be like just like a monolith. Like they were just like a yeah. huge thing. Uh, well, that actually ties into what I was going to just actually like my ultimate praise, I think. And the thing I noticed kind of immediately, even in the trailer, actually, like thinking about my favorite thing. It's just nice just to see that many actual bodies, people. Yeah. <laughs> Real freaking people in one place and using extras and having them staged. Yeah. and involved even though their background 
you know, I know that crap's not easy, actually, even though no. it, it kind of comes off, you know, it's just something that you're not supposed to notice so much. But here, yeah, it absolutely feeds into the feel of this thing. Like if that had been, and maybe they did do some CGI, like. Well, I'll tell you, I'll give you some inside info from my, my evening with Chris Nolan. I just love that shot where they're on the, you know, whatever that wall is, where they're all lined up waiting, and you hear those planes come, and they all yeah. turn their heads. Like their duck. faces. I mean, yeah, go, oh, yeah. It's su- it's such a great moment in the trailer. So good, Like, I yeah. remember just from the trailer, I was like, oh, God, that's yeah. great. Like, Because you, you, you don't see a plane. You just hear this thing coming in. And think how simple that is. Like, that's still, I think, my favorite moment shot in the movie. Yeah. Okay, how'd he do it? They'll ruin the, ruin the joy for me. Uh, the entire movie CGI. Good night. Oh, God. No, um... No, because they were obviously specifically trying to stay away from any kind of CGI. There's a little bit of CGI in the movie, but it sounds like it was just like cleanup work and stuff like that. For the okay. crowds, they did have a lot of extras. He said they had thousands of extras. Mm-hmm. But, of course, they're talking about like 400,000 people on the beach. It never felt like 400,000 people on that beach to me, by the way, which I don't care. It, it never funny, felt like, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it never looked like that to me. But eh, there was enough. But he said that they, they, uh, they got this guy who... Uh, I should know his name uh, considering we're doing a movie podcast, but they talked to this guy who did a lot of, you know, practical effects for movies back in the day. And he came out and, and one of the things they did was they just had these huge lines. Like you would have like, you know, you have have these lines of soldiers leading into the water pretty much. And so you just have these huge lines of people. And he would say like the first three lines of soldiers would be real people. And then the next three lines, as it got further back, it would be like a few soldiers that were real, but then they kind of had these, scarecrows kind of they, they kind of built yeah. like a like a weird fence of like dummies that the uh-huh. that the real soldiers would kind of hold so but it looks oh, wow. like you look at those stills you look at the movie like it just looks like people standing there totally and it's great it's not cgi like they didn't just cut and paste um okay yeah it's go. it's real physical stuff and i think that's another thing i really like about it is i definitely felt that like mm-hmm you know, there, there's just that thing of, I mean, it's amazing. First of all, they pulled off that plane stuff without CGI or without much CGI anyway. Yeah. But you really, like practical stuff, you really do feel it. And I feel like it really does make a difference. Uh, I think with CGI, people want to go overboard too easily. Pun fully intended. But um, <laughs> but they, they, they want to they go huge and do something insane that's no shot you could possibly get. And mm-hmm. I feel like that kind of ruins it. Like, you know, when you keep it in the real in the real world, it's it has more impact to me. So, you know. Well, especially when you're trying to tell a story of something that actually happened, you know. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. You know, this is history. So yeah. I feel like I should just also praise the score. I thought it was fantastic. Oh, absolutely. It was really good. Sound design and the score are insane, absolutely insane. And 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 I mean, there's a moment toward the end where everything stops. Mm-hmm. that just like as soon as it stopped i was like oh my god like we've just been just been being punished to the point where i forgot that i was hearing all that noise and yeah then it, it kind of goes down to like a sounds like a stopwatch and the stopwatch stops he he said he literally played or used a a stopwatch to tell hans zimmer what he wanted yeah that makes sense so there may be actual recording of stopwatch his pocket watch on there so no doubt about it. Cool movie. Obviously, a lot to chew on. I think uh, the film nerds are, are definitely digging into this one. And I don't know. It'd be interesting to see if maybe this is his most like divisive movie yeah. amongst his uh, loyal fans. And also, super curious to see what he does next. I haven't heard, but um, no. it'll be interesting to see if he goes a 
bit more down this road or back into, say, something a little more sci-fi bent or, you know, these genre-bending things that he does at massive budgets. He's got to be feeling pretty good about how well it did at the box office for something like this in the middle of summer, surrounded by superhero movies. So kudos to him on that front. I think that bodes well for anybody who cares about movies. And I lost Craig, so I'm not going to let him say goodnight. I'll have the final word, which is, I hope you're alive, Craig. Get out of Dunkirk ASAP. Bye.